Amen. Well, again, thank you so much for being here this morning. Today, this is not a normal sermon. It's not a normal sermon because uh, this is not a normal Sunday. Uh, Not only are we back for the first time in a very long time, but today we are kicking off 40 days of vision in his steps. When the next 40 days, we're going to be talking about who I believe it is that God has called us to be as a church. And this is going to be a 40-day journey of us discovering and praying into and committing to uh, who we believe God is calling us to be in this next season of ministry and mission here in the world. You know, we've been living in uncertain times. We've been living in hard days. They've been hard. They have. They've been hard in so many ways. But even though we've been living through this pandemic, God is not done. And God is still on the move And God has still called his church to be his church on this planet in beautiful ways and reach people for him and continue to grow in love for him. But as we start, I think there's one thing that that we have to solidify, if you will. I think there's one thing that we have to make sure as we're starting this journey that we start off on the right foot, this thing has to be in place. And that is that I believe that, that God, God has to be preeminent. I believe that God has to be supreme. I believe that God has to be germane. I believe that God has to be paramount. You can use whatever word you want to use. I believe that God has to be first in our life. I believe God has to be first. If God is not first in our lives as individuals and in our life as a church, if God is not first, then these next 40 days, this journey that we're going on, these next 40 days, we're we're simply going to do what the people of God have done before in the past, and that is we're going to wander in the wilderness for 40 days, only to arrive back at our same starting point. But, but, if God is first really first in our life. I believe that this is going to be an amazing journey, a journey worth taking and a journey that we're going to remember in the years to come. You know, Jesus said in Matthew six thirty three, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You know that verse. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What Jesus is telling us is that there is this kingdom that's being built on earth as in heaven, and then we get to be a part of that kingdom while we're here, here and now. And there is this righteousness from heaven that we can receive here and now, but then we participate in that righteousness on the earth. We get to live into all of this when we seek first. When God is first, when God and God alone holds that place where he is preeminent or supreme in our life, when God is our pursuit, when God is our prize. Now, you may say, why are you talking about this and what does all this look like? What does it look like for God to be first, for God to be our prize, to God, for God to be our ultimate pursuit in life. Well, the Bible actually gives many different images for this, many different images. 
And it's, it's littered throughout all of Scripture. Jesus said in Matthew 13, 34, Jesus was teaching his disciples, and he gave them a one-verse, two-sentence parable. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like this treasure that's hidden in a field. This man finds it. He finds this treasure, and he buries it back in the ground. And then in his joy, in his joy, he goes back and he sells everything that he has so that he can buy this field. Now that sounds crazy to me. I don't know about you. You would sell everything for one thing. And Jesus' point is clear, is that whenever you're a part of this kingdom, when you're a part of this kingdom, and God is first in your life, your ultimate joy in life, your ultimate pursuit in life, the ultimate prize in life is Him and Him alone. And you're willing to give up everything to have that joy. Paul puts it a little differently in Galatians 2.20, that famous verse where he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me in this life that I now live in the body. It's his life, and he gave himself for me. He died for me. Paul here is saying when, when God is first in your life, he is your life. Notice the, the words live and life that's mentioned over and over in that one verse of Scripture. What Paul is saying is that when God is first, he is the source of your life, of all of it, all of it. When God is first, he is your ultimate joy. When God is first, he is the ultimate source of life. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 24, one day he gathered his disciples together, and he says, uh, boys, I need to tell you something. That's what the Greek says, by the way. He said, I need to tell you something. Um, see, if you want to follow me, you have to, well, there's some things you got to deny yourself of. There's some things you got to take up if you want to be one of my followers. Jesus said what it means for God to be first here is, well, you got to be able to be willing to follow at all cost. You gotta be willing to deny yourself, take up some things and follow him. See, three different pictures, that's just three. That when God is first in our life, he is our ultimate joy. When God is first in our life, he is the source of all of our life and the life we live in this body. We deny what the world offers and we live it a completely different way. Or when Jesus, when God is first in our life, we're willing to follow him at all costs. We deny ourselves, we take up our cross and we follow him. I think that one's really important for us today because today we're talking about vision. Vision. You know, I believe that if you do not have a vision that's worth dying to self for, then you don't have a vision worth living for. If you don't have a vision that's worth dying to self for, then you do not have a vision worth living for. If your vision does not cost you something every now and then, I would even question whether or not it's from God. Because God loves to push us forward in this world 
as we're becoming the people he's called us to be and doing, therefore, what he's called us to do. He pushes us forward and he challenges us in amazing and beautiful and hard and complicated ways. And as we live that out, we rely on his strength and we see it come to pass, not just because we're smart enough or good enough or clever enough. At least I'm not, but God is. Vision. Can I tell you a story? No? Okay. Back in January, Emily and I received a phone call. The phone call was, would you consider praying about moving to Montgomery and being the pastor at Fraser? Some of you have heard this story, so Emily and I we put together a prayer team, three different people, three different states, and we asked them to pray. Tell us what you hear. Yes, no, nothing. What do you hear? What do you hear? And we began to pray. And God began to speak. And God began to give peace and direction in all of that. And God began to lead us to this place where we really did believe. We felt like we were called to move down to Montgomery and come be with you. After we felt that call, we called back, called the district superintendent, said, yes, we will come. Feel called to come. After that, I began to casually pray. Now, whenever I say casually pray, I mean casually pray. Like, I don't want to be misleading here, okay? I want to be honest. I was casually praying. God, we need a vision. What is our vision as a church? And what I meant by that was, God, who are you calling us to be? Be, not do. Who are you calling us to be? What compels us? What motivates us? What moves us? What is the heartbeat of this church for this season? What, what is that? What is that? And there were some things I already knew. I knew that, uh, for example, I knew where we would do ministry. We're going to do ministry in Montgomery, and we're going to do ministry to the nations and everywhere in between because that's the calling that we have, and that's how you have done it. And it's a beautiful thing not just focused here, but also focused around the world, not just focused around the world, but also focused here. Beautiful thing. I knew what we would be doing. We would be making disciples and growing disciples of Jesus Christ. I knew that. I knew that. I knew when we would be doing this great work. The when always is now. God wants us on the move now because God is on the move now, right? But what I did not know was who. Who was God calling us to be? What is our identity as a church for the next season? Again, I'm casually praying this. Are you with me here? No walking up the mountain like Moses. No pillar of fire. No being in the prayer room for days on end. None of that. No fasting. Sorry. <laughs> I was not fasting. I did not go off on a retreat and try to craft a you know, well-balanced vision statement. I didn't do it. I just said, God, what is the vision that you have for us? And I began to hear God speak. And what I heard God saying was that there are two things that Jesus said that need to come together. Two things that Jesus said were pretty important. And those two things need to come together. Now, what I need you to realize is that at this point, when I hear God speaking this to me, I had never been in this building. Okay? The closest I'd been to this building 
was on the highway 65 as I'm going to the beach. Closest I've ever been. All right? Never been here before. But what I hear God saying is there are two things, and I want you to bring those two things together. February 17th was President's Day. Emily and Eddie Ray and I, we got in the car and we loaded up and we drove down. We met with the SBRC, wonderful group of people and lay leaders. Had a great time. The next morning we got up, we came to the church building for the first time, February 18th. I walked in the doors right out here in the atrium. And whenever I walked in, I glanced back over my shoulder. And whenever I glanced back, I saw a Bible verse above the doors going out. Many of you have looked at it for, for years, however long it's been there. And it was a version of, Matthew's version of the Great Commission, found in Matthew 28. Matthew 28, 18 and following says, Then Jesus said to them, them being his disciples, All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything, not some things, not a lot of things, but everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the end, the very end of the age. I walked in that day on February 18th, never been in the building before. God had been speaking to my heart. I walk in, I look back over my shoulder and I see that verse and I go, that's interesting. I went throughout the day, I was meeting with staff and other people. And I was walking back through the atrium. When I looked up on the wall, right outside here, and I saw another Bible verse. It was Matthew's version of the great commandment. Mark's version of the great commandment, we see it in Mark chapter 12, verse 28 and following. It says, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, Jesus and others. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which one is the most important? The most important one, Jesus said, is this, and then he gives the Shema. He says, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor, as you love yourself. And then he says, there is no commandment, no commandments greater than these. You see, what was interesting about that is after Emily and I felt called to come down here, and that was confirmed through prayer with others, the two things that God was speaking to my heart was that he was saying, Chris, for so long in the church, the great commandment and the great commission have been separate but I want them to come together. I want Fraser to be a church that focuses on living the great commandment so that we can be a part of fulfilling the great commission. Think about that. What would it be if we lived out the great commandment in mundane and radical ways? And God used us as witnesses in the world to be a part of fulfilling the great commission. Go make disciples of all nations. Think about the great commandment. Love God. That is a radical statement today, by the way. We live in a very pluralistic society. I've had college professors, seminary professors, 
tell me, Chris, you have to understand, there are multiple ways to God, and I have to look at them all in all honesty and sincerity and say, I'm sorry, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I believe there's one way to the Father. I believe it's Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. This idea that we would love one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, this triune God who lives in community, and we would love this one God above all other God claims is radical today. Think about loving your neighbor. What would it be if the church would dare, dare, truly love our neighbor? Whenever we say love your neighbor, we always ask the question, well, which neighbor? I think the Bible gives us the answer. And the answer is the next one. You love the next one and the next one, and the one that doesn't look like you, and the one that doesn't talk like you, and the one who your accent is not the same, and the one who votes differently than you. You keep loving the next one that God puts in your path. Oh me, I'm meddling on day one. <laughs> you love the next one. And then not only that, not only love God, but love your neighbor, and you love your neighbor as you love who? Yourself. Yourself, a healthy love of self. See, the world has perverted this in so many ways. So many ways. But you love yourself the way Jesus talked about it. And Jesus talked about it in a paradox, actually. Actually, to love yourself, you have to give yourself to this God and give yourself in service to others. You love yourself enough to deny yourself. You love yourself enough to take up your cross. You love yourself enough to follow him. You love yourself enough to bend your knee in prayer. You love yourself enough to worship him. You love yourself enough to open up his word because that's where we find meaning and beauty in life. You love yourself enough to put him first. Again, it's a paradox, right? You know what a paradox is, right? Jesus taught this all the time. If you want to be first, you have to be? That's right. That's right. Some of you went to Sunday school. That's great. You want to be great? You have to be a servant, the servant of all. Same thing with love. You really want to love yourself? You have to give yourself in worship to this God and give yourself in service to our neighbor. What would it be if we got serious and really lived that out? What would it be if we would be a local church that seeks to fulfill the great commission by living the great commandment. My prayer is that it would be so in this place. Let it be so in this place. You're gonna see phrases like love one, serve one, be one. Love one, serve one, be one. There'll be other phrases and slogans along the way, but this is a good one. Love one God, radical statement. Serve one, serve who? Serve the next one. Serve in one ministry. Find your place among the body of Christ and be counted among them, serving in the kingdom. Be one, yes, be one disciple, absolutely, but we're gonna be one as a church. One of the unanswered prayers of Jesus is John 17, 21, that his church would be one. I wanna be a part of answering that prayer. How about you? Yeah. Love one, serve one, be one. You know, I think for us to live into these new days that we're in, I think we need a fresh look. If you look at our current logo as a church, um, it comes from a place of vision. The current logo of Fraser has five sides around it. You've seen it many times, many times. And the five sides represent five campuses being planted by 2020. There it is. 
part of what I want to say is I have absolute respect and I bless, I bless every person who was a part of and lived out and worked hard to see that vision become a reality. I do, I bless everyone in Jesus' name, absolutely. But it's 2020 and it's a new season here in this place and so I think we need a new look. As the prayer team, uh, prayer team, sorry, as the lead team and I have been talking about this and praying about this, uh, we've been looking back into our history. And there's one thing in particular that has stood out if you look back into the past. You see, on September 11th, 1983, uh, Fraser had a service outside at noon, and it was to dedicate the prayer tower. And since 1983, the prayer tower has stood tall in East Montgomery and been a sign and symbol to the community that Christ truly is the light of the world. At the bottom of it, there's a 12 by 12 prayer room. Just so you know, that prayer room, people have been in it all morning long this morning praying for these services. Yeah, because we've unlocked the prayer room. If you look back into the 80s, here was the logo. If you look into the 90s, again, another rendition, but the same thing with a red background. You look into the 2000s, and then again in the early 2000s, you see them here. And then, of course, we have our modern day one. As the lead team, along with Ken Roach, don't you guys just love and appreciate Ken and all of his gifts? Yeah. As we've been thinking about what needs to be our look for today, we, we thought we need to go back to this place and this symbol of prayer because we're not gonna live into and accomplish the vision that God has for us without prayer, people. Please hear me, please hear me. We're not gonna accomplish it without prayer. And so as we look back again with Ken and his creative team, we've come up with a new prayer tower logo for Fraser to move us forward in the years to come. Do you wanna see it? Yeah. All right. Here it is. Do we have it? There it is. Yeah. Again, this is a symbol that reminds us, reminds us, if, if we don't bathe what we do in prayer, if it's not God's strength and God's power and God moving, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. And so no matter what we may think the vision is or want it to be, or no matter what our plans may be or what good ideas we think we may have, if it's not bathed in prayer, it is not going to happen, people. But we're going to bathe it in prayer. And we're going to see God do amazing, amazing things in the years to come. Before we get to the years to come, though, we have 40 days to walk through. So here's what you're going to receive Tomorrow or Tuesday, you're going to receive this packet in the mail. Everybody see this packet? You can't have this one, but you'll get one. Tomorrow or Tuesday, you'll get one in the mail. Now, in this packet uh, is some very important information and things. First, there is a devotional book for 40 days. Our 40 days of prayer kicks off Wednesday, September 16th. Okay, so next Wednesday, 40 days of prayer starts. John, Ed, and I shot 40 prayer videos 40 prayer videos in one day, all right? Four, did I say 40? Did I mention 40? Yes, 
40 prayer videos in one day. Our goal is to keep them all under a minute, so it's a short, simple, strategic prayer, and it gives you a prayer point to pray for throughout the day. This book is a journey through the years. We went back into the archives and pulled out all the way from the early 90s all the way up until recent years, and so this is a compilation of that. You're going to want to keep this uh, as a souvenir after you're done with it. Not only that, one of the things that you'll see is a cover letter from me. You're going to see an information card. You're going to see this in a couple of different ways. This is very important, okay? This is important because over the next six weeks, we're going to be walking through as a church the great commandment. What does it mean to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbor as we love ourselves? What does that mean? And I'm going to be challenging you in the days to come. And so you're going to want to keep up with this as you go through that. Also, there is a financial commitment uh, that we are encouraging you, asking you to please think about what is God leading you to give next year, okay? We have... Listen, you have done an amazing job at helping us weather this storm that we've been living in, this pandemic, this time away. And things have been good. They really have. But we want to finish the year strong financially, and we want to know where we're going next year. And so we need your help. We need you to consider and pray into what would God have you give for next year. Now, not only that, there are several things. Not only that, uh, Commitment Sunday is going to be on November 1st. And this is where we're going to be talking about what is God speaking to us over these days. By the way, you're going to get two of these. The reason why is because as you think through, how do I love God with all my heart? What is God calling me to? How do I love God with all my soul? What is God calling me to? We want you to write it down, but we want you to give it to an accountability partner, somebody in your small group somebody in your Sunday school class, maybe your spouse, somebody. We're going to give you two of these because we want you to give it to somebody else who can be praying for you and supporting you as you live out who God has called you to be. And then again, November 1st, we're going to come together and we're going to celebrate. What you're not going to see in this year's packet is this. Normally, what we give out at this time is a massive list of ways you can volunteer Okay, right now we are easing back into coming back to the campus. We're not fully functioning yet. We're not. Uh, we, we're, there's a, still a long way to go. We're watching things. We're going to continue to monitor things, okay? But a lot is happening, just not fully there yet. So in January, there's going to be a big serving volunteer push. And I'm going to ask you to, con con to even start now and continue praying about how is God calling you who, what, what ministry is God calling you to serve in in some way in this season? What is that? Because what I know is that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. You are beautiful in God's eyes, and he has gifted you in so many ways, and he wants to use you to reach other people. And so I want you to pray into that. I ask you to pray into that as we go throughout this season. But for today, for today, I want to ask the band to go ahead and come on out. Today as we end this part I want us to pray and I want you I want to challenge you to please as we go throughout this time these next six weeks I want to ask you to commit to being a part of one of our services whether it's online wherever it may be on television or in here 
and just be open and ask God the same thing we started today with. God, would you show me, teach me? God, would you guide me and teach me? Because you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Not me, it's in you. And my prayer is that we would commit to that and let the Lord speak to us as we go on this journey together. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Would you stand with me? And let's pray. Father, in this moment, Lord, I thank you for what you were doing in this place on this day. Today is a new day. Today is a new beginning in so many ways. And so, Lord, today we say we want to be your people. We want to be a people that is committed to you and committed to fulfilling the great commission by living the great commandment. Lord, we don't know what all that means and all the implications of that, but, Lord, you're going to help us discover those in the days ahead. And so, Lord, for today, would you help us? Would you show us? Would you teach us? Would you guide us? Would you teach us? Because you are God and you are Savior and we have no hope outside of you. Lord, we believe it and we declare it today in Jesus' good and powerful name.